help your four-year-old find joy in learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org. When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome to the X Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time space continuum to this place that I call the X Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, X Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio. Star Cable and Exxon TV. If you'd like to give us a call toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. First hour explanation, we're going to be speaking to... Um, Christopher Knowles, and we're going to be talking to Christopher about his new book, The Secret History of Rock and Roll. Now, uh, you know, everybody thinks that sex, drugs, light shows, wild costumes, and loud pulsating music was new to the 20th century. Well, these words can all describe a great rocks concert, a rave, or a hot dance club, but they were also part and parcel of ancient cultural phenomena known as the mystery religions. 
Some sociologists uh, saw the birth of a new religion when the Beatles filled uh, giant outdoor stadiums with tens of thousands of hysterical teenagers. Was it really anything new? Well, according to my guest this hour, Christopher Knowles, the ancient world had its own rock and roll, the mystery cults of Egypt, Greece, and Rome. All of the trappings of rock and roll were in place, drink, drugs, drums, and wall costumes, even light shows. Ancient divas were worshipped as the harem of the gods, and some of the greatest stars would even become gods themselves. Joining me now to talk about the secret history of rock and roll is Christopher Knowles. And Christopher, welcome to the X-Zone. Great to be here, Rob. Tell me, uh, what was your inspiration for writing the uh, secret history of rock and roll? I had been involved in the uh, hardcore punk scene in Boston in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And somewhat, sometime later, when I was studying uh, the ancient world and ancient religions, it really occurred to me that what I had gone through in that period of time was almost identical to certain uh, mystery cults in ancient Rome, that it, it was a, a secret world of under, underground clubs and a secret language and, and a sort of a parallel reality that was being created by these kids, you know, completely on their own, completely out of instinct. And it all ended up being, you know, almost identical to what I was reading in the history books. Could we also put the, the new interest in vampires and goth on that same level? I think so, yeah. It's, it's, there's this great need to sort of create a new reality, a parallel reality. You know, we're all getting very sick of what's been given to mm-hmm. us by the media and the establishment. And we want to break out of that. You know, what we're seeing now is a process of, of discovery and uh, exploration into to new ideas and to new themes and to new identities, really. Christopher, please stand by. You and I have to take our first break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exonation. Nation, our special guest is Christopher Knowles, and we're talking about Christopher's book, The Secret of Rock and Roll. If you'd like to give us a call, toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at com On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, com. The Secret History of Rock and Roll. You know, it makes a lot of sense that maybe this is something that we brought from our past And we're going to delve into the secret history of rock and roll deeper as I continue this hour with my guest, Christopher Knowles, here in the X-Zone from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
Christopher Knowles is our special guest, Exo Nation. He's the author of The Secret History of Rock and Roll. Now, before we get back to Christopher, I just want to mention one thing. Last week, we were talking about how the United Nations was going to be electing or naming an ambassador to greet the aliens. Well, the United Nations says, no, we never said that. Why would we do something as ridiculous as that? So there you go. Last week, it was all over the press that... The aliens were going to get an official UN greeter, uh, a physicist from India, I believe. And uh, over the weekend, the United Nations says, where the hell did you guys get that information? It's wrong. Uh, well, hello. Does, any, does that surprise you? It came from the Internet, of course. And then we had the, uh, the Robert Hastings and uh, ca former uh, Captain Bob Salas and uh, some other United States Air Force members who went before the, the press at the, um, the press club in Washington selling the same wares that they've been selling over the years, and then they wonder why nobody takes them serious. Well, come on, guys, get something new. It's the same old, same old, same old. Well, you know, like, hello, if the aliens or the UFOs were really interested in uh, the nuclear weapons that the United States Air Force was using, wouldn't they still be checking it out, or wouldn't they have zapped something by now? Ah, jeez, I don't know, Exonation. Nation. Something it must be something in the water that people are drinking, and, and and then you know what? We've found out that now. Listen to this. This is going to rock you. In the September issue of the X Chronicles newspaper, which is now available, all you have to do is send me an email saying, "Hey Rob, can I get a copy to Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com?" We'll send you the link. Enjoy, download it, do whatever you want with it, share it. That's what I'd like you to do with it. Apparently, now now listen to this. Apparently. There have been clandestine human experiments that were being conducted, guess where? Roswell, New Mexico. Guess when? Uh, you've got it. The, about the same time that all these little aliens were seen. Well, there you go. No crashed UFO was ever recovered. Mind you, people say they saw little bodies, distorted bodies. Who knows? We've got our people in our research and news department watching those stories and investigating. So uh, as soon as we come up with some more information on the clandestine human experimentation being conducted by the Army Air Corps, which was stationed at Roswell, New Mexico, we'll let you know as we uh, dig deeper into these stories, which are starting to, you know, put the jigsaw puzzle bits on the table and they're starting to make one heck of a picture. Sorry, uh, UFO fanatics. Somebody's got to burst your bubble and keep you in the world of reality, and I guess that's my job. Christopher Knowles is our special guest. He is the author of The Secret History of Rock and Roll. And um, before we went to the commercial break, uh, Christopher, we were talking about uh, certain things. We were talking about how you got the idea for your book. But I understand that there, mystery cults are nothing new in society. And, and what are mystery cults? Could they be the Skull and Bones? Could they be the Freemasons? Could they be uh, the Druids? Well, it's very interesting you bring that up because groups, those secret societies that you mentioned, were really part of, of an attempt to sort of revive the mystery cults during the Renaissance period, during the late Middle Ages. Um, people started to rediscover a lot of this literature that had been suppressed. A lot of these books had been destroyed. And they started to sort of want to recreate uh, their own mystery religions, fertility religions, things like this. Obviously, that wasn't 
on the plan of the authorities and the church and the, the royalties and all mm-hmm. these people. So this is when these groups are sort of forced underground. And of course, when you force something underground, a lot of times things can take weird turns and, and go in directions that you may not really like. There's a great uh, expression, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Uh, but really, the secret societies, it's a very fascinating um, history there that they really arose uh, during this period with uh, the alchemists and a lot of these groups, the Rosicrucians, that were really trying to sort of revive these ancient traditions. They didn't really quite understand them, but they sort of knew that there was some power there that they wanted to tap into. Now, what connection do the mysteries have to modern rock and roll music? Well, really, the uh, the parallels are, are, are startling. I mean, you had an organized network of temples which is very similar to the, uh, you know, concert halls and arenas and stadiums. And the interesting thing is that arenas and stadiums are both words from ancient Rome. Um, a lot of the concert halls that you see will be like the Orpheum, uh, yes. the Apollo, yeah. you know, the, um, all these names taken from these ancient temples. So it, it's, the, the parallels, you know, in a lot of ways they're unconscious, but the way things sort of repeat themselves is really startling. But a lot of these concert halls that we go to to see concerts have the same names as these ancient temples. But, you know, the whole thing with, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I mean, you would go to these experiences and they were like a, a giant rave, uh, you know, or like a rock concert. There were other things going on. You would have mystery plays. You would have, you know, sacrifices mm-hmm. of... Uh, one one uh, mystery cult, you know, you had to bring a, a piglet that would be sacrificed. Very similar in this in that way to uh, voodoo and Santeria, but voodoo and Santeria really are the basic building blocks of the rhythms of rock and roll. But both voodoo and Santeria tie directly back. I mean, directly back. This is a direct lineage back to these uh, ancient mystery cults in in Egypt. So the 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 correspondences are not just coincidence it's it's part of this underground stream that came over with the slave trade and, and let's not forget that also you had sort of a quasi slave trade with with indentured servants from from britain and the british isles and they brought their celtic music with you which really ties back again mm-hmm. directly to this tradition through the druids the druids were very closely associated with the egyptian temples and the egyptian priesthoods and all these groups, they all sort of traveled around. I mean, the world was really not that much different than people think. We didn't have technology. We didn't have the Internet. But there was a kind of network that uh, universities, temples, that's very similar to what we have now. And that's the thing that I'm trying to really establish in this book, is that things really don't change as much as you think they do. And a lot of these changes... And a lot of these uh, impulses are so ingrained into our subconscious mind that we will play them out without even realizing it. Oh, you know, when you when you think about rock and roll, you think about groups like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and and then you know you've got the Spice Girls, uh, you know, Men to Boys, and and the progression of the rock and roll scene seems to be be uh, certainly diversifying you know you've got rap you've got uh, punk and and heavy metal and and talking about the ancient times you know who were the very first heavy metal bands in recorded history well this was one of the great scoops in this book i couldn't believe this when i was reading this there was a priesthood and they went by different names uh the corbantes the dactyls the Caritz. 
the Kabiri, they had all these different names, but they were basically heavy metal bands. And when they would get together, they would dress in full armor, full hoplite armor, like you saw in the movie 300. And they had these massive banks of drummers, flute players, lyres, I mean, making as much noise as they possibly could. And these guys would do these dances and use swords and shields as their instruments. And, and while they were doing this, they would scream at the top of their lungs. I mean, this would create this terror in, in, these, in these rituals, in these mystery rituals, that you would see these guys come in and just make this racket. You know, you had torchlights, you had uh, very interesting sort of primitive light shows, this whole thing going on that was just like a heavy metal concert, but it was two or 3,000 years ago. And, and actually... You know, scholars believe that this dates back a lot longer than that, that this goes back all the way to the Stone Age. And this is sort of part of the genesis of the book as well, is that I would see uh, you know, tribal reenactments mm-hmm. or you know, movies that would have people dancing around the fire, playing the drums, bragging about the hunt, and I said, that's rock and roll. That's where it starts. How did the authorities and how did the church deal with the ancient mystery cults? Because I'm sure that they must have been considered a threat to the to the ruling government as well as the uh, religious philosophies of the time. Well, exactly. The Romans were really brutal in cracking down on these cults. Um, the Isis priests would be crucified and their temples would be destroyed. There was one really brutal period in 186 B.C., in which thousands of men were were forced to kill, to murder their wives and daughters and sisters who had been taking part in the uh, Dionysus cults. A lot of this had to do with that when people met in secret, there was always the fear that they would overthrow the government. Mm -hmm. And a lot, you know, this was a very powerful fear in ancient Rome because ancient Rome was so incredibly uh, an unjust society. The inequities were just staggering. The ironic so part is, the ironic part is, is that fear still exists today? Yes, exactly. And and you know, whenever you people, you know, that's why governments are always trying to prevent people from meeting in secret or or meeting in large groups. You know, that's why whenever you want to have a rally or anything, mm-hmm. you have to go through all this red tape and sign off on insurance and 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 security and all these kind of things. And the same thing, you know, when you want to go see a rock and roll concert now, it costs you an enormous amount of money, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, you have to pay insurance and security. This is how the state sort of you know, inserts itself into this process. When I was a kid, it cost $10 to go see a, a major rock concert in an arena. And a even lot that, of these punk rock... And even, even that was a lot of money back then. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting, you know, now 200 or $300. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a real investment to go see a concert. A lot of this has to do with all these laws that were passed to sort of, you know, keep a lid on this. Interestingly enough, I mean, of all those musical styles that you mentioned, rock and roll is still the number one uh, concert attraction in the world. And that really has to do with this spectacle this very deep uh, stream in human consciousness that I say like goes all the way back to the Stone Age. You know, you have rap, you have country, you have disco, all these kind of things. It doesn't really have that same pull that, you know, a big group like U2 or the Rolling Stones, right. you know, can bring to one of these giant arenas. All right, stand by, Chris. You and I have to take our uh, news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation Christopher Knowles is our special guest. He's the author of The Secret History of Rock and Roll. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. That same old back 
You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. There's something scary hiding in the back of your closet. Your bathing suits and summer clothes, thing you're pretty sure don't fit anymore. What if there was a way to get into summer shape in one visit? Here's Dr. Brian Strand for Sonobello to explain. It really is quite remarkable. Sonobello doctors use a technology called microlaser fat removal, and the results are amazing. We customize your procedure to accomplish your goals. Just share with us the problem areas where you'd like the fat in inches removed. And in one visit, they're gone. Permanently. I can't tell you how often I hear clients say how many years they've been trying to diet and exercise those inches away. And we did it in one comfortable visit. It's time to get your summer on. Visit any of our Sonobella locations across the U.S. And right now, you can save $250. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. That's sonobello.com slash save. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. When you shop O'Reilly Auto Parts, you'll get the parts you need when you need them. Order online at O'ReillyAuto.com and choose same-day curbside, same-day pickup, or same-day delivery powered by DoorDash. Now available at participating stores near you. Trust the professional parts people to get you the parts you need today. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Did you know that my brain develops the most from the day I was born until I turned five? For millions of children living in under-resourced communities, this critical time to build a strong foundation for learning is at risk. Start Early expands access to quality early learning to help parents and children like me. Learn all about Start Early and the work they do by visiting startearly.org slash podcast. On MSN Messenger, Exxon Radio TV at Hotmail.com And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com Christopher Knowles is our special guest this hour, Explanation. He's the author of The Secret History of Rock and Roll. His website, secrethistoryofrock.com. 
secretofrock.blogspot.com. That's secretofrock.blogspot. I'm sorry, secrethistoryofrock.blogspot.com. And his book, The Secret History of Rock and Roll, is available at fine bookstores everywhere as well as online at amazon.com. Chris, whenever you think about rock concerts, you think about Woodstock, heavy metal concerts, whether it's at the Montreal Forum or the Rogers Centre or Canada Centre. Maybe not as much today, but back in the day, everybody uh, was uh, getting a little high with uh, with some help of their friends. And, and did hallucinogens okay. also play a part in the ancient uh, rock and roll scene? Oh, very central part, absolutely. Um, there were all these sort of brews that were made up using... Uh, different hallucinogens, uh, mm-hmm. mushrooms, things like that. You had a lot of uh, wine being drunk, beer being drunk. Uh, intoxication was very much a, a central part of these experiences. Uh, you can't separate the two. But the difference being back then is that it was seen you know, as, as a normal part of this. It wasn't seen as you know, <laughs> outlaw or, or whatever. I mean, it was part of the experience. You, uh, you cite Celtic and West African folk music as the basic building blocks of rock and roll. Now, what connection do those cultures have with ancient mysteries? Well, they tie directly back. Um, the Celtic uh, Druids, this whole network, this religion that was spread all across Northern Europe mm-hmm. and into the British Isles, uh, they were directly affiliated with a lot of these groups down in Egypt, the northern Mediterranean, uh, all, you know, all the way over to Syria and, and Lebanon, these areas with the Phoenicians. There was a lot of trade going back and forth uh, between the British Isles and the, the eastern Mediterranean because of tin. The British Isles were a rich source of, of tin, which you needed to make bronze, which is, of course, you know, mm-hmm. we know of the Bronze Age. This was yes. the dominant metal being used uh, at the time. So the British Isles were incredibly important at this point in time because of tin. There were rich deposits of tin. So along with the trade, you also had cultural exchange. And part of this cultural exchange also had to do with music, that the music of the the Eastern world was being brought over to the Western world. Now this music, again, as I said, came over at the very earliest days of American colonization. That a lot of the people working these plantations, but particularly in the earliest days, were indentured servants. A lot of these people were from what's called the Celtic Rim, uh, countries like uh, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. People who were very poor and and were desperate and were you know virtual slaves. Mm-hmm. But you know while they were doing the music and uh, the work at night, they had their music. This rich tradition of Celtic music, uh, jigs and reels, airs, ballads. You know you still hear this music, you know, traces of this music on the radio today. Now, what you combine that with is the drums, the beat, the rhythms of the West African uh, traditions. Now, these people came over, the slave trade, the Middle Passage. These people came over and worked the plantations. And you literally had these people rubbing elbows with the the Celtic uh, workers. And these music started to combine, you know, at this point in time, in the mid-19th century. You know, Walt Whitman saw this happening on the streets of New York. He saw this strange collision. These people sort of eyeing each other, but seeing this commonality in the music from the Celtic music and the West African music. And again, the West African traditions go directly back 
to Egypt, that you had this migration from Egypt uh, to West Africa at a certain point in time when, you know, there were a lot of uh, political and, and, and social upheavals in Egypt through its, you know, very, very long history. And at one point in time, a lot of these West Africans who had settled in Egypt went back. There was this reverse migration. And these people, unfortunately, ended up getting caught up in the slave trade. But they brought their music and their traditions, which tie us directly back to these mystery traditions that I'm talking about through voodoo and Santeria. Chris, you also write that all rock bands can be classified in certain categories. I was wondering if you could describe these categories and, and what connection they have to the ancient mysteries. Well, this is my own sort of invention. What I did here is that we've, I've always heard uh, Apollo and Dionysus mm-hmm. being described as these opposing poles in culture. And, you know, people like Nietzsche talked about this. Now, when I was looking at rock and roll, is that you have your, you know, the Apollonian tradition or the Apollonian archetype, people like Elvis, people like the Beatles, U2, uh, Green Day. You know, these are the pop stars. These are the people who fill the stadiums. This is, you know, very bright, powerful music for the masses. Then you have your Dionysians. Now, the Dionysians, these are your party animals, you know, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, the Doors. This is a sort of a darker current. This is a bit of a more of a, a problematic uh, archetype, just exactly as the, um, the Dionysian mystery cults were. But what I did is I took this farther. I took this deeper. Um, you know, you have a tradition that sort of lines up with these Korobantes, these ancient heavy metal bands that I talked about. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, you know, is the Judas Priest and the ACDC, these, these heavy metal bands that are tying directly into this very ancient tradition. Uh, you have the uh, artists who are similar to ISIS, you know, the sort of people like Stevie Nicks and, and Grace Slick of the Jefferson Airplane, that's sort of this witchy woman tradition, you know, this very mysterious sort of female energy that that's being put forth in the music but at the same time you have this great mother uh people like tina turner or people like um pat benatar this sort of maternal this earth mother sort of bluesy tradition you know it's an earthy tradition uh then you also have sort of the gender benders you have the you know the glam and the glitter and the you know the david bowie's and prince and boy george and all these sort of people that you know it's that exactly ties back to the ancient world. I mean, it's so, it was so bizarre to see, you know, things that I, I took for granted as a kid, having these counterparts in the ancient world. And that's really, you know, the backbone of the book is showing you where this started and how this exploded, you know, right in front of our faces, that all these powerful archetypes recreated themselves in this new context, in this secular technological, cultural context. And that's really what I was writing this book about, is to show people how if you're my age or older or maybe a little bit younger, you know, you grew up in the midst of this renaissance of these ancient archetypes. Which uh, rock bands do you think best recreated the power of mystery cults? For example, where would you put KISS? Well, KISS I sort of classify as a Plutonian okay. uh, rock band they sort of this death darkness uh fire and and brimstone Mm -hmm. 
the sort of energy that's, uh, you know, it's very important to a lot of teenage boys who, who feel very frustrated and they need sort of this cathartic energy to sort of express themselves. Um, you know, the, the examples that I was really most tuned into, I, I think Jim Morrison and The Doors, you know, are the most explicit sort of renaissance recreation of this. I mean, Jim Morrison knew who Dionysus was. He knew who the Great Mother was. He knew who Isis was. All these archetypes, he knew this stuff. He was tied into this stuff. He wrote about these characters in his poetry. Really, the Doors, particularly in their prime, their early prime, their first two albums, really were putting across this energy. And um, also Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin sort of takes us into a little bit darker path. You know, sort of that Aleister Crowley occultic mm-hmm. uh, energy, you know. But, but at the same point in time, they also had a light to their shadow. It wasn't all darkness like a lot of the heavy metal bands are. Uh, people like David Bowie, I think, you know, again, are very strongly tied to this, are aware of this history and are very consciously recreating these archetypes and these themes in his art. Why do you think rock and roll is such a a popular platform, even even in today's society? It goes back. It's the beat. I re- you know, I think it really just, it goes back to that backbeat. Mm-hmm. There's something in there. It, it, it's sort of a parallel to the speeding up of your heartbeat when you're, you know, when you're really jazzed about something, when you're working out or having sex or, you know, whatever you, you, you're, you're talking about. I think it's the beat. It's that energy, you know, it's, it's getting your endorphins flowing, getting all those chemicals in your brain, you know, really flowing. And I think, you know, when you hear a lot of the rap stuff, particularly today, rap is very slow. It's, it's, it's very sort of lopey. It doesn't have that same charge. And, you know, pop, you know, you have a lot of pop music, dance. That's a different energy. I, I didn't even really write about that stuff because the point of it all is much different. Rock and roll is, is really about getting that spirit rising and, and the way that sort of neurologically expresses itself with all these great uh, serotonin, all these sort of things that just make you feel better. And a great rock and roll band, and, and certainly there have been too many terrible ones, but a really great rock and roll band can do that like no other form of music can. You know, drumming is co- is coming back and is, is quite popular within the new age genre. Is this a, is this a a um, a precursor to what we're going to be seeing, where we're going to start looking back and trying to understand our connection with the ancients, like you've done in your book, when it comes to music? Oh, I think so. I think that you know, it's something just really primal about that. You know, particularly when you know there's a whole bunch of guys playing drums. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen you know that kind of experience, but it, it can be pretty impressive, particularly gathered around a fire in the middle of the forest. I mean, there's, there's some very primal energy that takes us all the way back to maybe even before we were human beings, you know, human beings, modern homo sapiens sapiens, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 sure, might... I sure do, and it's almost, uh, I, I used to play in a rock and roll band when I was a kid, and the energy of the audience plays off the energy of the band and the band plays off the energy of the of the audience and you can actually feel it as it as it builds. Oh absolutely. And, and There's then, no question about it. And then you've got the total connectedness of everyone within the venue. You become one. It's I've you know I've said that I've been at I've been at rock concerts where I've left my body, you know. Mm-hmm. I've been at concerts where I've totally 
you know, lost my identity. You know, where you just get caught up in this. One of the reasons I wrote this book is that, in a lot of ways, I feel that we sort of lost sight of that. That a lot of other sort of agendas and and outside influences have been sort of imposed on this primal energy. And I think that that's something that we need to to work past. We need to just really reconnect to this the, divide, the vitality of real rock and roll and the individuality and the originality of it because too often these things get sort of caught up you know when you see here some great old song that really inspired you as a kid on a, on a Cadillac mm-hmm. commercial or something you know it, it takes something away from it. it it you know becomes too familiar when you hear it on a you know a dishwashing commercial or something you know we really need to sort of reconnect with that, that basic energy of the music, I think. And that's really one of the reasons I wrote the book. Tell me, what era do you feel was the classic age of rock and roll, and why? Well, I'll tell you something. We had early rock and roll, which starts in the late 40s. Mm-hmm. It sort of comes out of swing and rhythm and blues. And then we had Elvis. And that period was, was very short. I mean, there was a very interesting, you know, there's another interesting book to be written about this, is, is how the authorities sort of responded to that. You know, Elvis is drafted. Uh, Buddy Holly dies in a plane crash. I mean, all these guys are just sort of being taken out of circulation one by one. A little bit, you know, a little bit mysterious there. But then we have the rebirth of rock and roll with the Beatles. And, and this is shortly after the assassination of, of John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And I classify the classic age, when all these elements that we saw you know, for thousands of years really kick in again. And it starts with the Beatles album, Rubber Soul. And this takes us up into the Aquarian Age, the hippie explosion, punk, glam, heavy metal, all these things, MTV, all these uh, things that people were, everyone was really tuned into, particularly if you were young. This all sort of ends in the mid-90s. Um, I'd almost cite uh, Kurt Cobain's death as sort of the end of the great mythology of rock and roll, the great cultural consensus of it. Certainly there were a lot of great groups, great albums, all these things after that, but something changed at that point that we lost something very important when, when he died. Christopher, stand by. We've got to take our final break for this hour. Exo Nation, Christopher Knowles is our special guest this hour. He's the author of The Secret History of Rock and Roll. His blog is secrethistoryofrock.blogspot.com, and you can get a copy of Secret History of Rock and Roll at fine bookstores everywhere, as well as online at amazon.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. Nation Christopher Knowles has been my guest this hour. He's the author of The Secret History of Rock and Roll. 
His blogspot is secrethistoryofrock.blogspot.com. And his book, The Secret History of Rock and Roll, is available at fine bookstores everywhere, as well as online at amazon.com. Christopher, does a rock and roll, in your opinion, have a future? I think it does. Uh, if it's been around this long, it has a future. Things come and go. Mm-hmm. Other styles sort of come to the fore. A lot of this has to do with what the record company wants to push. They don't really want to push rock and roll groups. They want to push these sort of interchangeable dance acts and things like that. But, you know, people will always be discovering the music. I mean, rock and roll has gone through these peaks and valleys, but I think, you know, it's in a very strong position right now. And as long as there are people who, you know, need that excitement in their life, there will be rock and roll. Do you think the internet is going to be a, a tool that people who want to keep rock and roll alive will be used over the years? Oh, it already has been. You know, it's been a double-edged sword because the internet has sort of allowed all this pirating and mm-hmm. downloading and things like that. But at the same point in time, there are so many groups that really got lost, that didn't make the cut, that, you know, that the companies didn't want to push, that people are rediscovering. There's so much great music out there that's really getting heard. You know, everything can now exist at the same time. Everything is current. You know, there are no more golden oldies. Everything is now. And that, to me, is the great gift of the Internet. Of course, you know, like I said, I mean, there are a lot of downsides to this. But to me... You know, musically and culturally and even spiritually, the Internet has really helped this this art form. Let's say that you were a fortune teller and in front of you had a crystal ball. I was wondering if you could cast a future prediction as to what the future looks like for rock and roll. I would like to see, well, (laughs) let me just say this. I think that everything is going to be blending in together. Things, a lot of things are going to be mixing in. I think that mm-hmm. video games and video game environments and, and homemade YouTube and, and just technology is really going to play a very major part in the future of rock and roll. And, but the beat will always be the same. The externals will change. They've changed. And this is why I wrote the book, because you know obviously a lot of the externals were different. People saw this all as the work of the gods. Now we see it as art. Uh, so there is obviously this evolution, but in the future, this music will still exist and it will take on in different aspects as technology and as our cultural changes demand, I think. Hey, Chris, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Uh, any more books coming up in the future? Oh, I have a lot in the lot, <laughs> a lot in the back burner, a lot of things. But you know, I'm going to be busy with this book for a while, so <laughs> I'll okay. let you know. All right, congratulations on a great book, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X Zone. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care, Chris. Christopher Knowles has been my guest this hour, X Nation. He's the author of the Secret History of Rock and Roll. His uh, blogspot is secrethistoryofrock.blogspot.com. And his book is available at fine bookstores everywhere, as well as online at Amazon.com. Once again, Christopher Knowles is the gentleman's name, and his book is entitled The Secret History of Rock and Roll. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour. As the X-Zone continues from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
When you shop O'Reilly Auto Parts, you'll get the parts you need when you need them. Order online at O'ReillyAuto.com and choose same-day curbside, same-day pickup, or same-day delivery powered by DoorDash. Now available at participating stores near you. Trust the professional parts people to get you the parts you need today. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there, and the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight.